Good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the, the teachers here and we are really honored to be with you here today. Uh, if you are new or visiting with us, man, just a, a special warm welcome to you. Uh, we're so glad that you chose to uh, worship with us and, and you've come at a, a really good time. We're in the fourth week of a series uh, where we've been learning about uh, the nature of God, who God is. We've been digging into this concept, this biblical concept of the Trinity, and so uh, I want to start off today, much like I have on all of the the messages that I've taught in this series at all of our campuses, and and I just want to be completely transparent with you, and that is that the doctrine of the Trinity is a, a very difficult concept. It's a difficult concept to to wrap our minds around, to try to understand, yet alone even to explain. And so what we've been doing here uh, in this time is we've been really investigating on what God's word has to say about this. We believe that God's word is our standard of truth, right? And so everything that we do, uh, we look to God in his word. And so we've been uh, trying to unpack what does God's word have to say about the nature of who he is. Uh, We started many, many weeks ago, I think in week one, with this verse, and and again, in transparency, this is uh, how I view God, and I hope you do as well. In Romans chapter 11, it says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts, who knows enough to give him advice? You see, we are not God. God is infinite and we are finite. God is all-powerful and we are limited. God is greater than who we are. And when we begin to understand that about him, we we can know that it's okay to have questions when it comes to the Trinity. Now, I I don't say that so we uh, come to difficult theological concepts and just say, oh, I'm not going to engage. Because in reality, God makes himself known to us. Right? And we know that he makes himself known to us in many different ways, but one of those ways is through his word. And so, you know, when it comes to this idea of the paradox of the Trinity, uh, it's a difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around. But what we've seen in his word is this, and this is the truth that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, is that, that there is one God who exists in three persons, and they are all fully God. In weeks one and two, we talked about who God is. Uh, in, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, the three persons of the Trinity, and today we're going to dig into the deity of each of those members of the Trinity. Again, we come to this paradox and we think, man, this is difficult. I went to Roy High. Anybody in here Roy High, right? Any of you Royals? Good for you. Uh, we're just a few, the proud, all right? And, and uh, I got my math education from Roy, and I know when one plus one plus one equals what? Three. Okay, good. So when I come to this concept, was well, it one God, is it three gods, and then you go to this thing called division. I didn't get much past addition, but you get division and multiplication. Well, then is it one times one times one equals one, right? And so there's this paradox that we try to have all of these things that we try to make sense of what it is, but we have the answer to who God is in his word, and today we're going to dig into that a little bit. Uh, before we do, why don't we pray uh, one more time together? God, would you... Clearly reveal yourself to us through your word today. God, as we have many scriptures that are going to show the majesty and the power of each member of the Trinity, God the Father, uh, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God, as we dig into your word, elevate scripture, illuminate it to us by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, The big idea for today, maybe something that we can be wrapping our minds around as we're going through the teaching is this. 
is that at the heart of the Trinity, really at the core of the Trinity, is the claim that all three persons, that's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all fully God. All of them are completely and fully God. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first, kind of the first role that we're going to look at and kind of digest today is the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see in God's Word, the standard of truth, His truth for us, is that the Holy Spirit has all of the characteristics and attributes of God. And so the Bible clearly equates the Holy Spirit with God. And so what we're going to see today, I mean, these are just a few of the verses. We're going we're gonna to run through a, a lot of Scripture because I think it's the, the most clear picture for us to understand who God is. And he gives us the clearest uh, direction of who he is. And this is what we're going to see in Scripture. The Scripture says that the Holy Spirit has the qualities of God. The first is uh, that he is eternal in being. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse t- uh, 14, it says, For by the power of the eternal Spirit... Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. You see, we see that the Holy Spirit is is called the eternal spirit. And this, this cannot be said of any other created person or thing or being. This is equated to God. The next thing we see is that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. This is a a theological term that means that the Holy Spirit uh, is everywhere at all times. He's timeless. Uh, He is without space. And what we read in Psalm 139.7, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. You see, the Holy Spirit is everywhere at all times. And this can only be said and true of the divine being of the holy one true God. The next thing we see is that he is all-knowing. Uh, this is a, another theological term, omniscient. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. You see, the Holy Spirit, what the Father, God the Father knows, the Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. You see, the Bible very clearly says that if you're a a Christ follower in this room, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit then indwells in us, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us decipher, to understand God, to understand his word. The power of the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. It helps lead us to righteousness and to holiness. And see, these are all things that only God can do. The next thing that we see is another uh, theological term. It's omnipotent or all-powerful. And we read this in Luke chapter 1 as the angel is is talking about Jesus and how he will 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 be born. And it says this, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high God will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be, the whole, will, will be holy and he will be called the son of God. You see, the Holy Spirit has the power to create life. The Holy Spirit has the power of the almighty God. And, and so what we see is when we look to God's word, his standard of truth, to understand who he is, we see that the Holy Spirit is equated, he is fully God. 
You know, I, I think that for many of us, uh, not many of us would dispute that God the Father is fully God, right? And, and if we read scripture and we, we read this about the Holy Spirit, we would say, okay, yes, I can see that claim. Uh, but many of us, when it comes to Jesus, right, that that's a little bit more difficult of, of an understanding. Because if Jesus was fully man, how could he also be fully God? Well, that's our, kind of our second point today. Because if we, again look at the Bible, we look at what God's word has to say, not what you know, man has to say, not even what I have to say or any religious teacher or religion itself. If we look to what God's word has to say, we will see all throughout the New Testament and even in the Old Testament that biblical writers claimed that Jesus was fully equal to God the Father. And not only that, but if we read about Jesus and we read about what Jesus said and what he did in scripture, we see that he himself made these claims all throughout. Uh, many of us know, if you're a Christ follower in this room or you've been a Christian for many years, uh, one of the clearest verses that is used to explain the Trinity or to affirm the Trinity is in John chapter 1, right? We, we read this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning... The Word already, already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In, he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. You see, John uses this, this word, or, or this phrase, the Word, which in the Greek is a word that's called logos, and what this literally means in Greek philosophy and even in the Hebrew kind of understanding or the language, this is the originator of creation. This is the standard of truth. Uh, this is really, basically it's saying that the word is equitable, the word is God. And so what, what John is saying, and we read a little bit further in John 14, is that Jesus is the word, Jesus is God it says, so the word became human, Emmanuel, God with us, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, the person or uh, the person that is called the word here is Jesus. And we see clearly in this is that Jesus existed in the very beginning with God. You remember in Genesis chapter 1 where it says, in the beginning God created, right? Jesus was with God in the beginning of creation. There is no starting point. He was there. He was with God. And then it goes on to say that the word was God. You see, very, very clearly we see scripture affirming that Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully God, not simply a little G God, not simply just a good man, but Jesus, the Son, is completely and fully God. And so let's, like we did with the Holy Spirit, let's look at Scripture to affirm what, what, what Scripture says about who Jesus is. Jesus did things that only God can do. Right? Things like creating the world. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and things we can't see. Only God can create something out of nothing. Only God can speak the world into existence. And you see, the Bible very clearly says that Jesus was there with God. 
We see that he has the power to forgive sin. You remember the story of, uh, of how there was these, these people who brought to Jesus a paralyzed man on a mat in Matthew chapter 9. And Je- it says that Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Isn't that interesting that the first thing that he says to him is your sins are forgiven. And you see, he has the authority to do that because he is God. Only God can forgive sin. We, we know that if you read on in that story, he also healed him because he has the power to do that because he is God. But here, here's what I want to say. I can forgive someone for doing something to me, right? Like, I can forgive my kids and, and my wife, uh, my friends. I can forgive Green Bay Packer fans for being Packer fans, right? I can forgive you of doing that thing. I'm so glad they lost yesterday, by the way. But I, I can forgive someone, but I can't forgive someone for you, right? I, I can't forgive the sin of someone who has harmed you or has done something for you. I can't even fully forgive anybody for their sins, really. Only Jesus can do that because he is God. You see, he has the power to forgive sin. In fact, he has the power, uh, he, he had the power to, to give his life on the cross and then to defeat death so that we could be in relationship with the living God. Last thing we see about Jesus, and there are so many uh, things that equate him to God, but he has the power to judge humanity. You see, at the end of days, we will stand before Jesus, and we will give an account of the decision that we made to live for him, to make him the Lord of our life, for him to forgive us of our sins. That's what the Bible says. And you see, here's what God says, John 5, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. You see, Jesus, because he is God, has the ability and one day will judge. Only God can do that. And so, you know, I I think that if we look at scripture, we see evidence, right? We see evidence of, of the Holy Spirit having the qualities and characteristics of God. And, and even Jesus himself, it's claiming uh, that, that he is fully God. And, and you might say, well, look, this, this Bible was written by men, right? This is secondhand accounts. You know, this is just people saying all this stuff. So anybody could say anybody about anything. But, but here's what I want us to see. That even though biblical writers were writing this, even Jesus himself claimed to be fully God. Now, uh, many of us would say that there is plenty of historical evidence and even biblical evidence that Jesus existed, right? I mean, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of things that would show that his existence is accurate. And so knowing that, we see Jesus claiming, even speaking this truth, that he was fully God. If you remember in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus is, is teaching a large crowd, and in this large crowd, there are a lot of uh, Jewish scholars and leaders that are there. And he's having these, these, these very real discussions, and he's teaching with wisdom and boldness and authority. And everywhere he went, people were coming to listen uh, because he had so much power in teaching. And as he's teaching this, th- this would have been really, really powerful because these Jewish leaders, they knew Old Testament scripture inside and out. In fact, they had to memorize large portions of the book. And so listen to what Jesus says to them. Your, your father Abraham rejoiced as, as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. 
I mean, Abraham had lived thousands of years before Jesus was teaching this. And so these guys are sitting there thinking, well, wait just a minute here. <laughs> You're saying that you knew Abraham? How is that even possible? It goes on to say, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say that you have seen Abraham? And friends, this is, this is so powerful what Jesus says to them. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. I am. Now, let me just tell you what this would have meant because they knew scripture. What would happen is, is they would go back and they would begin to remember in Exodus chapter 3 when God was telling Moses to lead his people and he revealed himself to Moses in this miraculous form, in the form of a burning bush. And Moses is freaking out, right, because God's asking him to do something crazy and he's afraid to do it. He feels like he's underqualified, but he's seeing God in a burning bush, which is crazy in itself. And God says, listen, I want you to do this. And Moses says, well, who am I, what am I going to say? They're not going to believe me. They're going to say, who's sending you? And you remember what God said to him. In Exodus chapter 3, he says this to Moses, I am who I am. He says to Moses, tell them that I am has sent you. And do you see what's happening here? Are we connecting the dots? Jesus was saying to all of these religious leaders, I am. Am. Before Abraham, I am. Before the creation of the world, I am. He was claiming to be the God of the Old Testament because he was fully and completely God. And do you know what happened in that moment? The Bible says that that would have been the highest form of blasphemy. And it says that the, the religious leaders got down to pick up stones and they begin, to, they begin to throw stones. And it says this, that Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. You know, I think what, what's, uh, maybe, maybe you've done this in your life, but you've said something and someone confronts you with what you said and you say, oh no, I didn't, I didn't really say that, right? Like, I mean, I do this with my kids all the time. What did you just say to your brother and sister, right? Or your brother and sister just said this about you and so now here's the punishment. No, no, I didn't say that. You're, you're mistaking what I said. Here's the thing, I actually said this, right? Listen, Jesus is being confronted with a very, very real situation. He is about ready to be stoned. And not at one point does Jesus say, hey, wait a minute, guys. Let's just stop. <laughs> what I said, I, I didn't really mean that. I'm just trying to get you to understand a little bit about uh, who I am or who I might be. Or, hey, let's just put the rocks down for a minute, right? Let's talk about this, right? He didn't do any of those things. Instead, what he did was what only God could do. He hid himself. I don't really know what that means, but that seems like it's pretty cool, right? And he left the temple. But he never once said, no, I'm not God. No, he said, I am. I am. Just as God was, I am. I am fully God. You see, Jesus claimed to be God, but he didn't just do it by words, he also did it by actions, right? He taught with boldness and authority. He did miracles that no man could do. Many miracles that we read about. I mean, really the greatest thing that he did in his life, he, he overcome the cross, defeated death, and rose to new life. And he did that so you and I could be in relationship with him. And do you know why he was able to do that? Because he is God. Scripture is our standard of truth. And so when we read about what it says about who God is, we see very clearly the doctrine of the Trinity is very clear. There is one God that exists in three persons and all of them are fully God. 
You see, that this is where, again, I think that the paradox of it all comes in, and we try to make sense of it, and we, we try to say, man, well, if I, I can't really understand it, then, then I have to do something to make sense of it, right? People have been doing this all of the time, and what they do is they maybe lessen the role of the Holy Spirit, or they say that Jesus is just a really good man. He was the highest of creation. Whatever, we try to make sense of the paradox of the Trinity, but we have to stand firm on what the Word of God says, that there is one God who exist in three persons, and they are all fully God. You know, some, some, we'll end with this today, some try to resolve the paradox of the Trinity by denying that Jesus is fully God. I mean, just a, a brief history. Many of you may have heard of this guy named Arius, right? It's a, a, the doctrine of Arianism where, where he would say that, that he was the highest form of creation, but he didn't equate to the Father. And this teaching came in around the fourth century, and it was the beginning of the church, and the church was exploding, and he was trying to make sense of the Trinity, and he was infiltrating this bad doctrine. And it was so bad, and it got so deep, that they had a major, major uh, group gathering to say, this is not the doctrine of God's word. And it happened in the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, where they said, this doctrine is heresy. You know, we... we uh, Maybe in our time, in the 1700s, there was a kind of an idea of unitarianism, uh, unitarianism, and this was the idea that, again, Jesus was just a good man. And listen, there are many other religions that we, uh, that we can study or, or even know about that say that, that Jesus was just that, a good man, a teacher, but he wasn't God. And you see, those are all heresy. God's standard, his truth clearly says that he is fully God. And it's important that what we believe and what we know about who God is and who Jesus is, is important. It's important. You know, we'll end with really just two, two problems uh, for anybody. Or if we deny the deity of Jesus, there's, there's a couple of problems that we have with that. And the first is this. If Jesus is not fully God, then he does not deserve our worship. Very clearly throughout scripture we read that if we elevate anything else above God, it's called idolatry. And so if Jesus isn't fully God and we worship him, then we are engaging in idolatry. And so as Christians, we freely worship Jesus, we honor him because we believe that he is fully God. Listen, this is what God himself says in, he, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. You see, God is saying that he is, Jesus is worthy of our worship, that he is fully God, that we should look to the Son in everything that we do. And if he is not fully God, then he does not deserve our worship. Friends, I would say that he is God, and he deserves every bit of our worship in our lives. Secondly, and I think really most importantly, and, and again, we'll end with this, if Jesus isn't fully God, then he is not able to save us. If Jesus is not fully God, then he is unable to save us from sin, death, and the grave. You see, very, very clearly, the Bible says that when God created everything, he created it perfect. You and me, or mankind, you know, we were, we were created in the image of God, and we decided to go our own, our own way. We decided that sin enters the world and it destroyed our relationship with God, destroyed our relationship with people and with other, others. It destroyed our world and what it was meant to be perfect. And the Bible says that there is a payment or a wage for that sin and that is death. There needed to be a perfect sacrifice 
that could pay for the penalty of sin. He who was without sin, he who is without sin, so that we might experience the righteousness of God. You see, friends, Jesus, being worshiped in heaven, came from heaven to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, dwelt among us, the Bible says, and he lived perfectly without sin. No one can do that except for God. It says he went to the cross freely. He died on the cross, and he did that. He defeated death. He took the weight of our sin, our shame, everything uh, that we have done wrong, the sins of humanity, the sins of the world, he took it upon his shoulders to pay for that sin once and for all. The Bible says he defeated death and rose to new life. And if we believe, if we put our faith and believe in Jesus, that he is fully God and that he died for us, the Bible says that if we do that, we then can be saved and we can spend eternity with God the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made Christ who had never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The only way to experiencing God the Father is through his son Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you and for me. No good work, no good action, no good deed, nothing. It's all what he did. The Bible says if we believe, confess and believe, that we will then be saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to give us an insight or a glimpse into who you are and to the power of who you are. God, I pray that today as we dig into, into the truth, the doctrine of the Trinity, that we wouldn't shy away, we wouldn't be afraid, but instead, God, what we would do is we would be drawn nearer to you. And so, God, I, I, I literally just pray for, for those of us who have questions and we've struggled, and, and God, we're, we're trying to wrap our mind around who you are. Would you reveal yourself to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, maybe through the, the direction of your word? God, would you clearly make yourself known to us today. God, for those of us who, who are here today and who have maybe never put their faith in you, God, would this be the time? Would this be the opportunity, God, that, that they could experience new life, not only here on earth, but for eternity, God, because of your goodness and because of, of who you are. Lord Jesus, as we engage with our friends and our family members and maybe a mentor in a small group this week as we dig a little bit deeper into what your word has to say about you, God, would again, you make it ever so clear to us and would we stand firm on knowing that you are mysterious yet you reveal yourself to us. God, we love you and we thank you and we honor you and it's in your name we pray, amen.